Yes, folks, it's Thursday, it's 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means, mercifully, this must finally be... And we're back. Hi, I'm Fred McMurray with my co-host, Kristen. We'll be bringing Ray and friends on real soon. Kristen, how are we doing today? We're doing great. We're getting dumped on with another seven inches of Ray's favorite frozen water. You guys can have it. I, 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 you know, I don't miss it. I, I, I try to. It looks pretty, but I much prefer it being pretty a ways away. Um, yeah, you know, I did one of those stupid Facebook things the other day where it says, oh, take the survey and see where you're meant to live. And my girlfriend did it, and she got, like, Hawaii, and I thought, oh, this will be fun. I'm just dying to see. And I, I don't usually believe in any of those things anyway, but... I took it, and I'll be damned, you know, it came up. Illinois. I hear you laughing from here, Ray. I can laugh, I hear you laughing all the way from Aurora. And I said, this is, not, this is exactly the opposite of what I was going for. So I've decided that those Facebook things, they're all a bunch of garbage. So I'm over it. So how I'm long did it. it take you to figure that out, that Facebook things were garbage? <laughs> well, you know, I wondered, like, does it matter how long I wait before I hit the button? Like, and what's the algorithm behind it? Does it matter, like, how quickly I push the buttons, which buttons I push next? You know, they're, like, put in your first letter of your last name, and then the month you were born. Like, what are the chances, right? Uh, bunch of garbage. Anyway, hey, you want to know what's going on with our mentor program? Yeah, why don't you tell us that and tell us what we're going to get here in the mentor segment today. Oh, my goodness. So the, our mentor, Mario, is doing awesome. As mentee. usual, I always say that. Mentee. I'm sorry. Yeah, the mentor. That's me. And that's David. And, and that's Ray. Um, but Mario is doing awesome. I always say that. But when you guys finally get to meet him and you finally get to hear him on air, you'll understand why I say that. Because he's a supercharged, energetic, go-get-em personality. And he really is awesome. So as we go through the process, normally I tell you about all the accomplishments we've made, all the different um, processes that we've gone through. But today, um, I decided to take you through something a little bit different because as we've done these um, kind of segments, what we realized is that there are a few steps along the way that really require deeper dives. And so as Mario and I were chatting the other day, we were comparing the definition of territories. And a lot of franchises, irrespective of what vertical you go with. So let's say it's a, a restaurant, a quick restaurant, and Dave's going to come on and join me here in a second because I want him to be involved in that too because that's more of his segment food anyway. And then you do a service business. A lot of different franchises talk about territories or licensed areas or what have you. Um, but everybody defines it differently. And even if take, if you take, you know, the business Ray and I are in, we have a protected territory. And a lot of them, our business in particular, says they protect it by um, 
Oh, oh help me, Ray. I'm hitting a wall here. It's um, not carrier routes. Um, it's not comes roads. It's census it's tracks. Census, census tracks. Census tracks. Thank so you. The, way, the voice from beyond. <laughs> <laughs> Saves me again. Thank you. Um, so you have census tracks, you have zip codes, and then they like to throw on top um, household values or qualified household income, right? And so uh, Mario and I were talking a little bit about that, and then we discovered that there's really a lot more to determine what qualifies a household than just those three criteria. So they sell you a territory, or let's just call that, you know, you draw a line in the sand and say, here's your area, right? And then of that area, we sort through to determine how much these houses are worth and how much do these people make? But what does that really tell you? It doesn't really tell you enough, right? So I wanna get a little bit deeper into that, but before we do, Fred, can you bring David into the room quickly? Because I'd like to ask him, when we talk about restaurants, how do they sell you a protected area, if you will, David? But first, okay. wait, wait, wait. You cannot answer that question yet first. <laughs> Otherwise, all tradition would be wiped out. You know what questions oh. he must be asked first before he can answer your other questions. I'm sorry. Okay, I, David. Thank you. Where are you? And what's the weather like? <laughs> well, today I am. In I don't really want to know because I know, I know but that's, you have to answer. That's why I'm hesitating to, to <laughs> say it. But <laughs> um, I am currently in Destin, Florida, Florida, um, actually Miramar Beach, Florida. Florida <laughs> so, um, and it's uh, it's a this might make you happy. It's overcast. Um, it's in the low 60s and it's windy, so it's not real warm. It's not real sunny. It's a, it's a little brisk today, but it isn't, um, you know, 20s and snowing, so we'll take it. If you could mix up the six and the zero, then I'd feel bad for you. <laughs> That's fair. <very true. laughs> but I know you're from Cleveland, so I don't feel bad. You know. Put it this way, I didn't see the wind chill in, in the weather report, so <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We're not going to discredit you for being in a nice place. You worked hard to get there. There you go. So tell us, David, I really want to know, because that's not really, you're not really in my segment of business, nor raised. So what is somebody to expect if they're looking at buying a restaurant or a quick serve restaurant type of business? Wow, that's, uh, that's, that's really a huge question, because, and it depends on which segment of the restaurant industry, right? So casual restaurants, a little bit different, you know, um, their market radius may be a little bit larger, quick service, a little bit smaller. But but I don't have a number to back this up, but I, I would venture to say the biggest bone of contention between franchisors and franchisees and possibly lawsuits, right? Other side of mm -hmm. lawsuits, but really center around overcrowding or cannibalization uh, you know, of a market or a market being overbuilt. And I think that happens again, I'm not gonna say it happens more in the restaurant industry or the quick service industry, the food industry in general, but it happens at least at, le at least those are you know some of the biggest lawsuits and the biggest issues and the biggest you know complaints mm -hmm. in that industry are from that right um, you know I can think of, of, of so many other things you know uh, so many other so many companies that went through that so yeah. to break it down it's real simple in, in, in a casual restaurant they're defined typically at least the ones I've been exposed to typically not necessarily by well, it kind of can switch. Some are by a mile radius, 
Some are by a population radius, um, but they get tricky because of the density of the areas. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if you have somebody that's maybe, you know, maybe has two locations 20 minutes apart, that could be a lot different 20 minutes apart from, say, two 40,000 population trade radius, as opposed to one that's, you know, 150,000 people, and then the next one's 20 minutes apart because they got some rural roads. So that is, that, that, it's almost taken by a case-by-case basis, and, 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 each, and it should be spelled out in the FDB, but, I, but it's still worthy of discussion because when you get to the QSR and some of the smaller ones, there's a different philosophy, and, and it's, it, it's really kind of the Starbucks model, so to speak. A lot of them figure, you know, it's convenience, so they mm-hmm. want to put as many as they can in, in, in an area. Um, but where, where the problem is, comes in either one is where there's that overlap of the trade market. And how do you define that? Because nobody just sits there in the middle and says, I go left or I go right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they go... Uh-oh. Did we lose him? I think we lost him. Okay, so. well, let's. I'm sure we'll get him back. But you know, I can tell you the one thing that um, if he comes, if he pops back on, the one thing that David and I talked about earlier today, to his point exactly, is you have to also look at what you're putting in there. And the example that he and I talked about earlier is let's take Starbucks, right? Starbucks is kind of a, an upper echelon brand and it's not to put any other brand down right but it's a five six dollar a cup of coffee type of brand and Dunkin's might be a four dollar cup of coffee brand and so if if you take a Starbucks and you put it somewhere my bad you put it somewhere just because it's a dense population but let's say it's a lower to mid-income highly populated apartment condo area yeah, you have the bodies, but those people probably aren't going to buy a $6 cup of coffee. They're more likely to buy a $4 cup of coffee, right? So that's where you get into this. Well, is it really, oh, look, there's a street up. Um, is it really the right location? You can't just say, oh, it's a dense population. Let's put it there because it's not the right marketplace. And that's kind of where Mario went with the particular um, segment of business he's looking at right now. The issue we found there is that it wasn't just about household value. It wasn't just about the income these folks were making. In his particular area, in Southern California, the particular brand and segment he's looking for, we were comparing two companies now. We're down to two, okay? And if anybody out there is familiar with California, right, or you watch HGTV like I do, I know that in this particular area he's looking at, to get a home for a million dollars, you're really not getting much of a home, okay? And his franchisor potential, there's David, his potential franchisor said, well, we're gonna sell you um, a dollar a household for any household that makes over $75,000. And I said, well, (laughs) that's kind of interesting because $75,000 in Southern California, you're still living in an apartment. And if you consider $75,000 as a dual income, that's not a lot of money. And oh, by the way, did they tell you is that $75,000 for one person, two person? Are they a family with one or two kids? Like what's their lifestyle, right? Well, we don't know that. Okay, so then 
the weirdest thing about this whole thing is he said, well, this one company I talked to said, well, if I didn't think 75,000 was the right number, I could change it. And I said, but 75,000 is in the franchise disclosure document, right? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, how much can you change it by? Well, maybe as much as $30,000. And I said, well, that just doesn't sound right. Like that's a lot of money and a lot of market share for them to just go, oh yeah, sure. If you want to change it by 30,000, we can do that. Something doesn't smell right. It smells like day old fish, right? And so the other option we're looking at was somebody who said, well, we can sell it to you, similar territory, and our cutoff is 95 cents, a qualified household, and we qualify them at $65,000 a year in qualified household. And I said, well, <laughs> that kind of makes it worse, right? We're still in Southern California. We're not far away. Ah, banana, chiquita banana. And the problem there becomes now I really have to dig into the data. So we went into a, a, a product that's called ERSI, and it is they do all uh, tapestry segmentation. The problem once you start looking up tapestry segmentation is talk about going down the rabbit hole. I spent hours on this yesterday. I think I was supposed to be doing some other marketing for, for my company. <laughs> it did help me because I found out a lot about my neighborhood and where it helped was that I was getting ready to do some supplemental marketing in some direct mail postcards. And I had gone on the post office website and I looked at, um, there's something really cool in there that tells me how many apartments are in the zip codes and on the um, postal carrier route that I would hit in doing every door direct mail. Well, then I looked at this tapestry segmentation and it said, oh, hey, guess what? In this particular zip code, 35% of, um, of your market share, these people are soccer moms and they have 2.5 kids and they have pets. And oh yeah, by the way, am I boring? Oh my God, I fell asleep on me. <laughs> By the way, not only will they buy maid service, but they also have their lawns cut professionally. So my point with all this data that I've just dumped in your lap is that two or three data points and think that that is enough to go and buy a franchise. Just because that's the amount of data that your franchisor is giving you, don't think that's the only research that you need to do. There's a lot more data out there and it really depends on how far you dig to determine what kind of business you think or you find is best suited for the territory that you're looking for. And when you get your business, it certainly helps you determine how you best need to market to that territory. Those are my words of wisdom for the week. And it is an abyss. It keeps on going until you reach China. <laughs> it's so true, it's so true. I just, it, this was just so interesting to me and um, the amount of data. I mean, the crazy thing is if you watch the social dilemma um, or any of those other uh, stories about how um, the internet stalks you, I mean, how do you know that I read HGTV magazine, right? 
it told me the people, not the people, but the percentage of people in my neighborhood that are most likely to go to Panera Bread. Oh my God, did you see that? I have a crab on my head. My Twitch kids are going to be saying, hey, mom, did you know you had a crab on your head today? Um, so they tell me, it, it tells me the percentage of people who go to Panera, who eat at, at Chili's, it's like, how do you know that? They're stalking me online. It's, what I think is creepy is talking here in the house about a product, a toaster oven. And all of a sudden I go on Google and there's toaster ovens. On the do, you, <laughs> do you have a Google assistant or Alexa? Cause uh, I go to bed at night and my Alexa's going. Doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not talking to you. Why are you <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking to you? And my kids the other day said something about Alexa, blah, 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 blah. And she said, and, and then someone said, I hate you. And they're talking to each other, right? And she's like, I'm sorry. Did I do something wrong? And I'm like, <laughs> she's listening to us. Yeah. Or I didn't understand that. Can you repeat that? <laughs> right, right. I know. Hey, so David, why don't you tell me, um, so the, what do you think about this topic? I mean, I know you got cut off, and so I'm really sorry about that. Topic but of Alexa? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I shared with the, with everybody about the conversation we had this morning about um, putting two Starbucks in an area that, yes, you have the population density, but maybe they're lower to mid-range incomes of apartments, right? Like yeah. people would rather have Dunkin' Donuts and, and the whole um, getting to know your territory beyond just household value and income. Yeah, the territory is key. Um, and and I don't, I'm not sure where I got cut off or where my internet, uh, my connection um, went kaput. But um, the one thing I did want to say and mention is there's a huge difference between um, the approaches a newer chain, newer franchise or takes in a, in a more mature market. And mm -hmm. so, for instance, you know, the, the newer ones, I mean, they have, the franchisees have to be aware where they are kind of in, in the food chain, so to speak. And, and what I mean by that is, if it's if it's a, a new franchisor that really wants to get up and going, they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to be, you know, they're they're going to want to get to critical mass and density quickly. So they they might over put locations too close together, maybe overbuild, you know, a territory, um, you know, by mistake more so than more mature chain. So one of the things that happened is as the chain I was involved with evolved, is it got to the point where if somebody wanted to put um, because we're pretty built out and pretty mature. If someone wanted to add a location somewhere, the, their surrounding franchisees had to be notified. And if one of us had um, a concern about that, we can voice the concern and then, then it goes to a process to see if that's a viable, um, you know, they do studies and everything else to see if it's viable or if it would mm -hmm. impact other franchisees. That was not the case early on, that's for sure. I well, mean, everybody was just grabbing locations and building. Well, and that creates animosity between owners. And I think the fact that they allowed you some kind of um, a process to say, oh, you know what, I don't really think that that's a good idea and this is why, I think that says a lot about the franchisor for giving you that opportunity to speak up. You know, what do you think, Ray? I mean, obviously, we kind of come from the same. Um, organization that shared a lot of that data with us coming in. I mean, did that change the way you? No, no uh, I don't trust the data. And oh. I, I'll give you an example. <laughs> I'll give you an example. So 
everybody in the office complains about you know the bills and not having enough money and so they walk in every morning with, with their cup of uh, uh, $6, $7 coffee, and then they go and order out lunch every day. So they're spending, I don't know, I'm going to roughly say $15 a day on, on food, but then they're constantly complaining about how, you know, the bills they can't pay. And, you You're know, talking about your office, right? I'm We're talking about my office, but, you know, that's in, that's in general. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm beginning to wonder how accurate is the data. You know? Well, but I think that's more about a lifestyle choice because a lot of times I pull up in my, and this is, it is a, a, a matter of what people prioritize, right? So I pull up in my parking lot and I go, man, my girls are driving nicer cars than I do. <laughs> right? Like, seriously. They do. They do. And even when I ran a big box store, I made great money and my cashiers drove nicer cars and I know how much money they made and their nails were done. And I was like, damn, yeah. now yeah. they lived at home with mom and dad. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But that's where they chose to put their money. So the question is, when you see things like that, I always ask myself like, okay, but so what are they giving up now? I know in a lot of those cases, my girls, they, they choose to live in apartments with maybe two or three different family members. Yeah. That's how they want to spend their money. But I agree with you. And there are times when I lived alone and I had Starbucks every day. And one day my girlfriend came to me and she goes, you know that you spend $225 a month on Starbucks coffee? <laughs> and I went, are you sure? She's like, I'm the accountant, remember? And I'm like, Oh, well, I didn't really ask you to tell me that, did I? And she's like, no, but I'm your friend, and I'm telling you, you need to cut back. And yeah. then, you know, sometimes you just don't think about it, right? But that's yeah. only, what, eight bucks a day? So that's, what, two <laughs> cups of coffee? <laughs> yes. And then I bought a Keurig. <laughs> so like, you so went from, okay, so polluting the environment with all the Keurig cups. Mm. I know. I know. I know. But I do have the little cup that I can fill. But then that brings a whole nother thing. Do I buy the beans or do I buy the grounds? And then, oh. All right. So from a coffee snob, I do prefer the beans because there's nothing better than the fresh smell of, of ground beans. It just kind of permeates the air in the office and it makes but, it really good. But do, you, but do you freeze the beans? No. No, I don't. But even that, I've gone over to the point of it's too much of a pain in the rump to continually grind the beans. So I just buy the, you know, already ground and yeah. it's nice and fresh. But see, this is like a tapestry report to my point, right? So if I were going to buy a coffee shop, I would want to know all of this information, right? Or, or say I wanted to invent this Keurig thing that I buy for $15. And then, or I was going to be a, a bean grower for coffee or roaster, right? I need to know, like, what is my market? It's it goes beyond, right? Just like today's news, you got to take it with a grain of salt. You can't look too deeply in, into the, you know, because like you go down the abyss. You tr you try to uh, <laughs> you try to analyze this information too deeply, and you're you're really kind of wasting your time. Because, yeah. yeah, I think in generalities, they could be, you know, 
you look at the way uh, city planners are trying to plan cities today, they're trying to mix the population between, you know, uh, incomes. So sure. that you have, you have uh, you know, some apartments with some condos and some uh, nice homes in mm-hmm. neighborhoods. And this is, you know, a great idea. So what does that do to the zip code, though? That kind of dilutes all the information you have. It does. <laughs> you know, so it, it's... You know, it is what it is, but like I say, you can't, from my opinion, you take a look at it and you say, okay, that's nice. Now I know I, I should probably send my uh, uh, advertising dollars to this zip code and maybe not that zip code. But, well, that's why we pay guys like Fred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because then Fred's job is to say, okay, within this zip code, these particular carrier routes are retired people on fixed incomes, and they need big coupons people over here have a lot of money, but just no time. And they don't need coupons. They just need to see that you sanitize and disinfect, right? I mean, Fred, you have a big job to do. I know. And then Fred has to decide, right? He has to know that maybe the older people, they're not that tech savvy. So they need postcards. And then people like Dave, he's pretty tech savvy. So he needs to get um, stalked on the internet, right? That's right. So really, Fred probably has the funnest job of all of us. Yeah, and he enjoys it. <laughs> well, that's why he's always dancing. He's always dancing, Fred. Always got to dance. So uh, we God. should um, probably let our our sponsors have a commercial so they can pay the bills and keep Fred's lights on, and then we should come back and talk about some more about this tapestry thing because, you know. I think not too long ago, we talked about some sandwich shops that cannibalize themselves and are are really kind of without mentioning names and brands. They're kind of in bad shape. And I would like to talk about um, that just a little bit. And then about some other um, franchise segments that have um, had to be, there are other segments out there that have to be very careful of cannibalization. So, um, Freddie, are you ready to cue us up on some commercials? I am. I was just thinking about, could I find pictures of cannibals, cannibals and put them above your head? Ew, ew, yeah. ew, ew. That's I okay. Wanna, I was looking to. for zombie apocalypse stuff earlier today. Couldn't find any good zombie um, video. So you're saved that for this week. And with that, we'll go into our commercial. Oh. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westbine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, 
improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women. We are the Franchise Women. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. Pretty cool sound effect, wasn't that? Yeah. Well, you know what I always, I've never been a Trekkie. <laughs> At least you got that one right last week. You know why? Because I had this ex-husband once. And we went to Universal Studios, and uh, I was such a good person, at least that day, that I actually allowed them to dress me up in a Star Trek suit. Oh, wow. And, and do this whole Star Trek thing, you know, we had to get pictures. It was torture. <laughs> it was, <laughs> never have I liked Star Trek. And, you know, it was those suits that had, like, those, like, V things on them, and you had to go on this, like, fake set like you're in the control room and I had to listen to that stupid laser sound and I think it was just stuck in my head <laughs> is that is that a minion on my on my head oh she's so cute I kind of like the maid minion myself but you know that's okay Fred so um anyway so we talked about those sandwich shops remember a while back actually on the show and David you weren't there but there were a couple of really popular ones that have really struggled and I met some super nice people that are currently involved with um, some very popular um, uh, uh, sandwich shops um, and they're just saying how difficult it is right now because they just opened so many shops so close together. And I think we do have a brand that we could talk to because really they're not even in business anymore, right? Is is the Q1 out of business now? They're gone? Uh, yes, the, ori the original setup, the original ownership group is gone. I believe somebody had purchased the rights to it. And the last I looked, and it's been several years, was there's a handful still operating. Okay. And I loved Quiznos. I'll just throw that out there. I loved I Quiznos. Quiznos was, was incredible. Um, it's a shame because that it is. an incredible product and uh, I, you know, should be the number one segment, number, number one choice in that segment, but yeah. not around. Yeah, it's so, really Talk about brand dilution and, and cannibalization, really. It's too bad. But, um, you know, so I used to work for this big box store, and it was interesting because every time we would open a new store, the stores around it would always freak out because we're like, oh, my God, there goes our sales plan now, right? Because they would set our sales plan, and then it didn't always get adjusted until the next year. And we always be like, great, no bonus this year because the store five miles down the road or whatever, um, would no longer, we, we wouldn't bonus because the next store would be open and we would be cannibalized. So for people who don't know what that means, it's not eating each other. That's not what we mean by cannibalization. Um, 
Yeah, I, I realize that not everybody knows what that means. Um, yeah. What kind of sandwiches are they serving? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good people. So yeah. green. It's people. Sorry. Oh God, this went so wrong. Uh, so really what cannibalization is, is it, it is eating, but of sales dollars, right? Would you say, Dave, that's a good definition of it? That's exactly it. And, and, and it's tricky. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, it's tricky in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, this, let's go use Subway. Everybody knows Subway. What's tricky about that is when Fred DeLuke opened up his first Subway, as the story goes, is it didn't do that well. Right. So he opened one up basically right across the street, you know, caddy corner on the corner. And gave the appearance that, wow, this is really growing. It's real popular. <laughs> they just opened up another one. And that's what kicked off that whole chain. So it's kind of tricky. But, um, but, but here's, you know, so you could say, wow, that's, that was really risky. And it was. But it worked out because he had a larger plan, you know, in mind for that. You know, a lot of times when we talk about you know, overcrowding or cannibalization. We're talking about I'm a franchisee, then you buy one too close to me and, and you're hurting me. But the, the hidden part, and this, and this has happened to people I know, and, and, and even to us a little bit, one that we opened up relatively close to another one is, as, as an owner, you wanna, maybe you buy a market, right? And you can have five locations within this market. You're required by the franchise or you have to open one every, you know, whatever the schedule is, every nine months, you have to have one open. So you're just popping in locations. And if you're not strategic about it, you could cannibalize yourself. You can take a, a, a location that's extremely profitable, open one up relatively too close, split the market, and have two stores doing substandard sales, and you're losing money in both. So it's not just you're protecting against other franchisees coming in and cannibalizing your market. You have to be careful that you don't cannibalize yourself yeah. and take a profitable one and and and. and have two mediocre ones. So it, it's a tricky, it's a tricky and delicate balance. And you're going to get, if, if you signed a multi-unit or a market type agreement, you're going to get pressure from the franchisor because you're going to have a development schedule you have to adhere to. Mm -hmm. And they might say, Hey, this location's good, blah, 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 open it. And now you're struggling with both. I've seen it happen. So, David, how do you make sure that that doesn't happen? I mean, we know there's a lot of franchises out there. Let's just take somebody like a McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts. They're great franchises, but we know they all require their owners to to open multiple units. How do you think they do it? I mean, you know, if I were, it's funny for me to say to answer this because I did the opposite, right? I was always right. in the beginning of. of, of of chains that we're starting. The best advice I could give is, is, is speak to other franchisees, mm -hmm. um, especially if it's a mature chain or, or, or a growing chain, but maybe somebody speak to multi-unit. Hey, how are you treated? What was the approach? Um, did they put pressure on you? What was your development schedule? Because the development schedules can be negotiated. They should be able to be negotiated because mm -hmm there's a layer of unpredictability in those development schedules because you don't know if the proper locations are going to become available within that time. And some franchisors don't care. And then they'll, they'll penalize you along the way if you're missing your development schedule deadline. So, so those, that has to be done up front in, in your negotiations to make sure what are my penalties if I'm opening up a multi-unit, you know, a, a development agreement. If I'm opening up a single one, what protections do I have 
um, against other people coming in. You know, what, what's my territory? Do I have it outlined? When I first started, the territories were, were completely outlined. But again, right. as a novice, that may or may not mean much because somebody could put one right on the border of, of your so-called territory and grab a big chunk from across your border into into your area. So it, 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 it just takes some some market analysis, some territory analysis, some real good thought going through it, and some cooperation with your franchisor. But if there's an opportunity to speak with franchisees that are already in the situation that you want to get into, that, that conversation has to be had or, you, or you're wasting a valuable resource. Yeah, totally. Ray, I know that initially um, when we talked with Mario, one of the other verticals he talked about was um, fitness centers and things. Do you foresee that fitness centers would be one that could potentially cannibalize each other, say like these little small gyms and things? I, I think something like a, a fitness center uh, falls in the same type of category as a QSR. Mm -hmm. People are looking for convenience and they're not, you know, when you're wanting to go out to dinner, you're going, you're, you want to go out to a big restaurant with a, with a nice deep menu that of really good food. But for lunch, you want to go down the street and you want a quick sandwich. And when you want to go work out, you want to work out down the street. You don't want to travel several miles, you, you know, so it's, it's sort of the same thing. You, you're probably better off opening up a just bunch of small fitness shops and a bunch of small sandwich shops as opposed to, you know, one big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And That's the way I look at it. My daughter's in the fitness fitness business uh, industry, and um, you know, she she doesn't own it right now. She is a manager of, of one, and um, and they opened in a relatively new center in a relatively developing new market. And it's it's going to take time for that to build because you need the density. I mean, yeah. know, it really is a numbers game. In that case. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because there seems to be a lot of, um, there are so many new brands popping up. Like, it took me forever. I drove past this Benga. And I kept going, what the heck is this Benga? And then finally, I'm like, oh, it's Sin and Yoga. And see, and I forget what the other one was. Sin, Yoga, and something else. Um, but it was, it, and then there's Orange Theory, and then there's a, like there's so many different gyms, and so, and they all kind of specialize in something else, and so it's a it's a it's a big market. There's a lot of convenience to them, but it's a matter of it's, you know, how much is is too much. I don't know the answer to that. That's not my segment, right? Like I'm lucky if I work out ever. I think I think there's so right? many because I think there's so many of them because of. Um, it gives everyone a reason to wear yoga pants. <laughs> okay, so I am a huge proponent of that. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Today I'm in my flannel pants. <laughs> well, that's nice. Somebody listening. All right, there you go. Yeah. Flannel yoga pants. I know there's fleece, but let's go with the flannel. Well, so the, the only reason... Okay, so because we told like today was a really bad day, and so I didn't even get my shower until like right before the show, and then I'm like, okay, it's a snowy day. It's a day I'm gonna do nothing but relax. I'm like Ray, who's like, I'm gonna put on my snow pants. I'm gonna get on the snowmobile. I'm gonna go sledding after this, right? I'm like, oh no, I'm starting fireplace. <laughs> I'm not doing anything today. I'm gonna 
you know, order Instacart groceries, you know, that's the kind of day I'm going to have. I'm waiting for the snow to pile up so I can get out my new snowblower and <laughs> have some fun. I put on my wine o'clock sweatshirt, my flannel pants, and I'm in for the night. I got on my slippers already. I'm done. And I've declared war on the snow. This year, <laughs> my goal is to never do the snow, have all my boys do it this year. Yeah, you can curse the snow and the cold all you want, but it never goes away. <laughs> <laughs> the idea yeah. is that I go away. I don't. <laughs> that's, but that's the only uh, recourse you have. You know, you have to go away. It's okay. It's okay. I don't want to like go away. Like I just want to like. Oh my goodness, the Cookie Monsters here. I just well, want to go somewhere warm. Like David, he yeah. chose the right thing to do. My decision was which route I was going to take to ride my bike today. Just for, oh. <laughs> to get oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go back to defining tapestries. I, somewhere on there is probably like the guy who just moved to Florida who rides his bike every day. 10% of your population's hardest decision is which way to ride his bike. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, Ray, tell me, really, you think like the tapestry thing is not not for real it's too much data well here's an example our our uh franchise has mm -hmm. changed the parameters on that so many times that you know what is a qualified household oh we changed the parameters well you, you just gained forty thousand households congratulations and then a couple of months later they say oh we changed the parameters of the qualified household you just lost thirty thousand <laughs> qualified homes you well, know, that's so how many do you have Right. And now that's a really good point because, but, but the question is, did they change it because the demographic, excuse me, the demographic change? Did they change it because they realized they were wrong? Like I never really got a good explanation as to like why they changed it. And, and, you know, you know, what's really interesting, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Unless you're buying uh, some more territory to you know, today versus yesterday, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose that's true. I just, it helps me to know. So if I were to go to say Arizona, right? Let's say I'm going to Arizona and I'm going to open up a company mm -hmm. now, or Florida, right? I do kind of want to know, am I dealing with a segment of the population that's on a fixed income? Or am I dealing with a segment of the population that has some extra cash to play with? Yeah. Because depending on the type of business I'm going to open, if I want some swanky shop, right? Or let's say I'm opening a cannabis enjoyment lounge. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like that's probably not where I'm going to open a, but I'm not going to open a bud's place where it's a retirement. I know you're looking for your hat, aren't you? I see that. I see that. Uh, mine's in the other room too. Uh, I wore it the other day. I'm probably not going to put that in. Well, depends on how progressive they are. I'm probably not going to put that in a community where it's 65 and older and everybody's on a um, fixed income, right? Unless they're all in a lot of pain and believe in that. <laughs> I'm probably going to put it in a more kind of urbanite, more trendy neighborhood. That's what I would think, right? I'm probably not going to put it in a super conservative neighborhood. I'm probably going to put it more in a um, 
liberal neighborhood, right? So I would want to know that about the type of business that I'm buying. I don't know, David, what do you think? What would I think you? It'd be tricky. I mean, don't forget when you're pushing up in that 65 plus, I mean, they came from the 70s, so it, it could be That's flashback true. city. For oh, yeah, good point. Oh, I missed the mark on that one. And if they were in California, who do you think to find the, the medical marijuana uh, dispensaries? Oh, There's all see, those old coots 30 years ago. Is, you know, that is exactly why I need a tapestry to tell me those things. Left to my own devices, I would miss the mark. Yeah, I would I, I would take as much data. I think it's just like anything else. You take the data and... Um, do what you want. And, 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 and do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Take the data and at least try to try to build a framework around it. I mean, but I, I think I think anytime you just rely solely on just data without kind of getting out, driving the market, talking to people, understanding the market itself, what you're doing with regardless of whatever business it is, um, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm kind of like Ray there. I don't think I could just take that and go, okay, this makes sense. I'm going. This is it. I right. have to kind of touch it, feel it, see it myself. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. Have to, you have to take data from many different points. You can't just, oh, totally. you know, totally. a couple of points. But you yeah. should never fly totally blind either, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and really, when the data point they give me is that a qualified household in Southern California is $75,000. Come on now. Are Maybe you kidding? Those people are... At seventy-five thousand dollars in California, they're they're living in the street. Sorry, the stream beds. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's minimum wage. Yeah. I mean, seriously, seventy-five thousand dollars in Southern California. Come on. Now, maybe in Arkansas, maybe that's good money there, or in Oklahoma. Wisconsin. I don't know. Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, but you can't live in Southern California and and expect to have maid services weekly or alternate, you know, every two weeks for $75,000. I just think that in situations like that, we need to be more diligent in our research. And, and you know, that's the thing I think that with um, pillars of franchise, pillars of franchising and our mentorship program, those are some of the things that we are trying to make sure folks who are looking to buy a franchise, people who want to go into business, our goal here is to make sure that we step back and say, hey, have you thought of, did you check, have you talked to, did you consider, not to tell people that the franchise is or isn't going to work. That's not our job, right? We're not going to say buy this, buy that. We want you to do what you want to do, right. but it has to be eyes wide open, right? Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> example, I've had somebody tell me, oh yeah, I've got this person who told me that um, they can rewrite the whole FCD for X amount of money, not the whole FCD, but a significant part of the FCD. And I said, that's very interesting because I've never ever heard of anybody that can rewrite a significant portion of the FCD. That's why franchisors have lawyers when they write those FCDs. There's, wow. They're not negotiable 99% of them, right, of the FCD itself. There's a couple portions that you might be able to ask permission for, and maybe you'll get a few variances in there, but they're not designed to have nuances throughout them, right? They're, they're not sent out as, as a starting point for negotiation. Right, <laughs> right? I, so, 
I mean, I don't know. I just think that, you know, if you, if you're looking to buy a business, if you're looking to buy a franchise, you always need to know that, you know, we're here to help you certainly, you know, we're free of charge, right? We just, we just want to have a good time. I think it's so interesting for me. And I don't know about you too, but learning about all these different people out there and we've made such great connections. I was telling my dad today, I'm like, man, we've got lawyers, we've got accountants, we've got franchisors, franchisees. It's like, we've got funding resources. We've got uh, CPAs. We've got real estate people. I'm like, who do we not have in terms of resources to talk to? And so you're listening to the show and you wonder like, well, what about this? Dude, put it in the chat. Well, if we don't know the answer right off the top of our head, we got somebody in the Pillars Resource Bank. We can find the answer for it. I mean, it's, it's really been awesome. And um, we've got some great franchise, franchisors out there that we're working with, with tons of brands that if you're kind of up in the air of what you're looking for, you know, we can help you figure out something that sounds good to you, fits your lifestyle, fits the budget that you have in mind, right? If you don't like talking to me, you can talk to Ray or Dave. You don't like us? Well, there's always Fred. Who knows what Fred will tell you? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Anything you want to hear. Yeah. What do you, what do you want to hear today? Fred will tell you. Fred will tell you something now. That today is is our third anniversary. Today is the third anniversary of the start of Pillars of Franchising. Our oh, first show out. was two years. Three years. Our first show was February second, twenty eighteen. So wow. did you did you purposely keep that a secret? In fact, last year, if you remember watching last year's show, we started the show with a big second year anniversary. This year, I figured we'd wait till the end and see who mentioned it. (laughs) No one did. Uh, I was going to say, damn, we all all failed that time. When you have fun, time just flies by. That's right. I I really enjoyed doing the show. Me too. I'm glad you guys invited me. Yeah. Absolutely, and Dave too. Yeah. Appreciate it. I mean, what the heck else do we have to look forward to on a Thursday? Snowball. I'm not going to go there, but. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. Listen, you're a newlywed, so that doesn't count. And actually, in that point, Ray's video, uh, you can watch it on the uh, Pillars of Franchising show. It's it's still featured, but he keeps getting views on the wedding. So you want to watch Ray get married? You can watch it on the Pillars of Franchising site. In fact, I recommend everyone go there and watch it just because, like I said, it's our third anniversary today. (laughs) (laughs) You, You do need a little bit of a tissue, though. It is very sweet. It is. Ray, is this uh, your, how, how, third month anniversary for you? How, how long has it been now already? Uh, December. December 20th. Oh, December. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, congratulations. That's Thank you. Made it that yeah. far. Huh? <laughs> You're round in the corner. Yeah. Buying a franchise is a really 
exciting thing to do. And it's not nearly as scary as people think it is. I mean, it's scary. I mean, you're only putting your whole whole life and everything you've ever earned, every red penny on the line. But I mean, aside from that, it could be, it could be a lot scarier if you're going out on your own, right? I mean, at least you're buying into a system that's been defined and in most cases proven. Yeah, I I can't echo that enough. I mean, don't reinvent the wheel. You're buying the system for a reason and just go get in there and start, start operating to the best of your ability using their system. Um, It's not going to run itself, but yeah, I mean, again, just like with any bit, like you said, Chris, just like with any business though, it, it, it cuts off a lot of the steps, but there are still very important steps that you need to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the best part about owning a business is the fact that your, your life and your family is in your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to say that there are outside things that can affect it. It's how you deal with those outside things that is more in your control than it is if you if you have a job. Yep, absolutely. Wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah. yeah. If you start, if you run your own business, you can decide. Hmm. Maybe we should do a podcast, live internet radio show on <laughs> franchising. No one will listen, but we'll do it anyways. Holy shit, people are listening. Oh my god, we better do more. Yeah. Three years later, we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's do this thing. Let's see what goes on there. Oh, let's do uh, How? How, how many uh, shows have we done? What's three times 52? Well, okay, so it depends on how you look at it. Um, if you want to talk interviews, uh, we're actually of over 150 interviews because of yeah. in the early days, you know, you and I would do sometimes two or even three guests. And, and, mm-hmm. and then if you count some of the women in franchising shows, I still remember the one we had female guests because that yeah, time that we started would... using Zoom. Oh, your hair out. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. when I went much grayer and much balder. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, we've got somewhere over 150 plus guests and then we're right at about the 145 show mark because there were, well, there were a couple of guests couldn't make it. The great Shell Beach power outage, the, <laughs> and the great, if I remember right, the great Shell Beach power outage was the day that caused you to get attacked by the dog. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was, yeah, I went to uh, walk Daisy's dog. Why I didn't have my dog with me, I'm not sure, but I went to walk her dog, and uh, we, he was doing his business, and all of a sudden, this uh, pit bull comes and attacks the dog, and I beat the pit bull, and he just didn't, he just looked at me, oh, that feels good. It's like a massage for him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and well, it ended well anyway. The, Daisy's dog survived. Yeah, but if you just sued the guy, we could have no. Yeah, I, I if you, if Why? You, he paid the he paid the hospital bill. You know? But if you had sued the guy, we could have gone on Judge Judy, and you could have said, "I'm the co-host of Pillars of Franchising," and we could have gotten it out to all 10, 20, 30, 40 million of her list her viewers. I mean, a golden chance at viral marketing, and and oh well, oh well. <laughs> Hey, you take yeah. your marketing where you can, folks. Yeah. 
Take Daisy's dog back out there, see what happens. Yes. <laughs> Might not be lucky the second time. All right. On that note, On folks, that note, yeah. We'll say goodbye. We'll be back next week with hopefully a guest next week. More interesting discussions. And starting our fourth year. This Woo-hoo. is Yeah.